All right, guys, welcome back to Young and Successful. First off, I just want to thank everyone who's downloaded um, our first episode. We had a, a, an awesome response, an overwhelming response, really. We did not expect to get as many downloads as we have. So thank you to everyone who's listening. We're really excited for the way the show is going. We also want to get your guys' feedback on what you would like to hear on the show, what you liked about the first episode, what you're going to like about this episode, so that we can kind of change things to make it fit to what you guys are wanting to hear from us. Yeah, any input is greatly appreciated. Constructive criticism, any type of criticism, um, even leaving a review on iTunes or on your podcast app would be great. We will make sure we take into consideration what you say and we will implement changes to make it better, more effective, um, and more applicable. Absolutely. And we're going to be setting up all of our uh, social media channels. So be looking for that for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, that's something we're going to be working on over the next coming weeks. So. Go subscribe, go go like, go follow our pages. Um, we really appreciate it. We really want to hear back from you guys and see you know what you're learning from this. If you like what we're putting out there, if we need to change anything, um, anything, any advice is welcomed. Absolutely. So today, episode two, we are going to be getting to know Jackson Wood. Last week, we got to know my story a little bit, and this week, we're going to be learning more about Jackson's story, where he came from, what he does, um, and just yeah. <laughs> How I became the crazy person that I am. How he became right. the crazy person he is. So uh, we're going to just dive right into it, and let's let's hear from Jackson. Yeah, so my name is Jackson Wood. Um, I am 25 years old, turning 26 on June 2nd, So, which is tomorrow, actually. Um, well, I'm, happy birthday tomorrow. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah, I, I thought my birthday was on Saturday the whole week, and then my wife told me it was on Friday. I don't get super excited about birthdays. Yeah, I don't I like, either anymore. I like spoiling my wife on her birthday. Yeah. But I don't get too excited on my birthday. It's not really exciting anymore, is it? Yeah. I mean, I guess, man, when I was like two the years novelty old. novelty goes away the older you get. I feel yeah. like it's just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Good old Utah. Yeah. Uh, kind of in the West. Had kind of a, an interesting childhood that I think kind of shaped my beliefs and my kind of what I do, how I think. So we'll go through that a little bit. Um, kind of helped me. I, I put a video on our YouTube channel about not being a victim where I told my story. So I'll, I'll kind of refer to that for some of it. But born into a family, my parents, um, they got married when they were young. My dad w was an MBA, right? Worked in business, worked mm -hmm. for a health insurance company. We had a pretty decent life. My mom was a hairstylist. She cut hair. Okay. Um, she worked at a salon. We had a salon in our basement where she'd have people coming over. So I, I wasn't really born into an entrepreneurial immediate family. Uh -huh. You know, my dad had a job, and and uh, my mom was a kind of a mix of a stay-at-home mom and uh, just had some clients that she'd cut hair. So nothing huge, right? Yeah. Running out of her business. Just enough to make some extra money on the side type of thing. Yeah. Shortly after my sister was born, I think my parents realized they hated each other's guts. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, you know, what's common in America, they got a divorce. Yep. Um, which was interesting because now I was going back and forth between my mom and my dad. And uh -huh. there was a big dramatic change in lifestyle from one place to the other. Was it a pretty messy divorce? Uh, you know, I don't remember much. How old were you at the time? I was two. Oh, okay. Maybe so three. you were pretty young. Yeah. So I was, it, luckily I was young, right? Yeah. So it just was normal to me. Didn't Kids affect were able too much. to adapt. Yeah. So... It was, it was a big contrast living with my dad and then going over to my mom's because my dad had a big house, you know, mm -hmm. made a good amount of money. We would go on vacations. 
then we would go to my mom's house. My mom was a hairstylist, you know, so we lived in an apartment. We had a decent life. My mom worked very, very hard. Yeah. But we didn't have all the stuff that my dad did, uh-huh. right? So my dad, um, you know, my dad played softball all the time. It was fun to go to my dad's house, lived with him primarily. But I love my mom. My mom is a sweet sweet woman um kind of taught me to work so we had fun there too she made sure we always had fun we were going to do stuff um but my parents were pretty involved i played baseball played sports hockey growing up when i was eight my dad died um he actually committed suicide when i was eight really yeah it was it was traumatic because it was right after thanksgiving in 1998 i think maybe 99 can't even imagine yeah it was it was crazy but my dad he had been fired from his job his company that he had really helped build and uh, i think he if you don't what, what company was it was, was a health it insurance was company health insurance company. yeah and they were okay. acquired i don't know the name of it now but they they'd been acquired and he they kind of just did a hostile takeover and just cleaned house just, and there goes his job really yeah he was a wow. you know he had a master's degree and or an mba and a bachelor's degree and he had been really really good at everything he had done leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. And when he got let go, I think it really caused a, like kind of an emotional breakdown for him, right? He had lived his whole life. He was six foot seven, the star of the basketball yeah. team, the star of the baseball team, worked really hard, was su- successful at everything. And then he put kind of his life into building this business and then he just got gutted, just, just got kind of had it all and then yep. went to nothing. And it was like a year, a year or more, I think, of he didn't have a job and he was picky and, you know, it just kind of had like a mental breakdown, I think. Yeah. And, and it led to him making that decision. And, uh, you know, luckily, I was young enough where I, I think if I were older, had been older when that happened, it really would have been much more difficult to go through. Yeah. I'm sure it's still difficult though, at that age. I mean, it you sucked. understand what happened at least. Yeah, it was know? tough. I mean, I, I got depressed for a few years, I think, and I was bitter yeah. and angry. My mom took it really, really hard, and she got addicted to drugs. Really? And so all of a sudden, you know, she went from being kind of a part-time mom because of custody to a full-time mom. Yeah. And she has a lot of stress on her. and Tons of stress, you know, and, and she has the biggest heart of anybody out there, and it was so difficult that she kind of had to go to something to escape. So luckily, um, through that entire situation, my mom's family was very supportive of her, and my dad's family was actually pretty supportive and it got a little bit heated between families and things but we ended up going to live with my my dad's parents uh-huh. and my mom went through recovery and um you know it took her a couple years because it was a serious addiction but she made it through the recovery and slowly started building her life back together but the, in the meantime we stayed with my my grandparents on my dad's side the wood family and the interesting thing about the Wood family is they are entrepreneurs. My grandpa is a PhD in you know the science field and did all these things, but he started a company um, that him and his partners built, and it became very very successful. They sold their company to Dover okay. Industries, you know, big big time, big cash out. And he kind of taught me. He would show me the newspaper and he would inter- you know show me the stock market. Yeah. And I remember I bought my first share of. Uh, Apple when I was in fourth grade with some of my allowance money. That's awesome. Yeah, my grandpa helped me and we would create like a portfolio. And by this time he was retired, so he had all this free time. And 
they would take us on vacations and took us all around the world. And I, I think they did it because they were retired and wanted to travel, but they also realized what my sister and I had gone through. Yeah. So they really kind of stepped in when, you know, everything was kind of falling apart. So they taught me, uh, my grandpa taught me how to trade stocks and, and how to manage a portfolio. And that was back in the day when you'd open up the newspaper and you'd see just quotes and quotes of stock mm-hmm. prices in the newspaper. And I would highlight them and we would build a portfolio um, but it was hard because he was very, very demanding that I excel in everything. Had to be the best in everything. Yeah, basically. and he placed yeah. a lot of emphasis on education. And we would go on trips, but I would still have to take my homework and do my homework. And he would give me extra assignments and things to look at and, and to do. Um, so it was tough, and I didn't love it, honestly. Like, I was really? this young kid. I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, and I, I didn't love all this. I thought, man, my friends are just playing sports and all that. But and you're doing homework. Yeah, I look back now, and it was great, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it helped you. Yeah, my grandpa knew the value of hard work, and, and eventually my my parent or my mom, um, my mom remarried, and she married my stepdad, who was a successful entrepreneur and runs a construction company. Mm-hmm. And when they got married, it was it was kind of tough for them. He was just starting out, branched out on his own, kind of like you did from a yeah. cush job, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was difficult at times. I remember they didn't have a bunch of money; they only had one car. So when his business partner would come over, my mom would drive that guy's car for the day, and they would take my stepdad's car and drive really? that around. And I was living there, but um, at this time I was going through high school, and eventually, you know, he just he would get up at five o'clock and not get home until eight. And he would build a business and he built a network. And so our lifestyle dramatically improved by that point. Yeah. Up to this point, he travels a couple of weeks out of every month. And he's got this business that he runs. And so it really kind of showed me how to build a business and what to do. Um, you know, I played sports in high school. Didn't really excel at any what of them. What sports did you play? I played my, – my main sport was hockey. Really? Yeah, kind of weird. I, I, I was always kind of a contrarian. You know, what everybody was doing, I would do something else. Uh-huh. And then hockey really took off, and so I, I quit hockey. You know, I played golf a lot. Okay. Um, but I, I really, my dad was huge into sports, and something kind of inside of me was like, oh, do whatever he did, the, do the opposite of whatever he, yeah. whatever he did. So I, I focused a lot on um, just other things, you know, friends, cars, hanging out girls, and, whatever. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Typical high school, you know. <laughs> Uh, I did pretty good in high school. Um, I tried hard. I learned a lot. Um, Are you a pretty good student overall? Nah, just if I cared. just enough to get by. Yeah, I hated things. I, I hated certain things, and I would give zero effort in those yeah. things. But other things, I would, um, you know, I would really try hard at. One of the things we did, I loved the idea of being an entrepreneur. And I actually, my cousin, I got a really close cousin. We're probably going to have him as a guest on the podcast eventually. Uh, but he had a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad yeah, by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And it was the idea of owning a business and being self-employed and, and building a real estate portfolio. And I read that and that kind of stuck with me. So I used to get on like, you know, after school, I would do my homework or go to, you know, practice or whatever, come home. And I'd get on the computer and this is when forums were really, yeah. really popular. Oh, Not yeah. Reddit. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And they had like these these Rich Dad, Poor Dad forums or they had one called the Fast Lane to millions forum or whatever. It was yeah. all these guys that had built these businesses and it borderlined kind of like MLM businesses, really? kind of cheesy stuff. Like, yeah. you know, people would get really, really amped and they would talk about, 
you know, you can build a business and you don't need to go to college and you can do all these different things, but they would never give you any material. Kind of like a passive income type of thing. Like yeah. sit back and collect the money, sit back and do it. But they never would give specifics, right? They did. They would never say like, here's how I did it. Here's what yeah. you need to do. They would just give you vague ideas. And maybe it was just because I was too young and I couldn't quite grasp no, it. I've seen that a lot too, though. It's yeah. like, you know, start a real estate empire, but they don't really tell you how to even start. It's like, yeah. just start renting some places and doing this. It's like, well, how do I even get into that? You yeah, know? and I did. Where do know. I start? Do I just go and say, "Hey, I want to buy this house and start renting it out"? Someone like, how does that work? You yeah. Know? So I had this idea in my in my mind, like I want to be this successful real estate mogul. You know, I want to own a passive income and have these my money work for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know how I was going to get there. Okay. Um, Turns out, it's a funny story. Actually, one of my mentors, one of the guys that lived in my neighborhood, went to the same church I do. He became an advisor for Robert Kiyosaki. And I had to do this project really? for my high school communications class. And I, I called him up and I said, hey, Andy, can I fly down with you or, or interview Robert? Can you set that up? We can do it over the phone or whatever. And he actually said, no, let's go down to a studio in Arizona and let's let's interview him. And I had you know these like five questions and Andy took me down. I was wearing my suit. And uh, I asked him a couple of the questions. We were just standing there. You know, I was, I was nervous, man. I was like 17 years old. And I was 16, actually. And uh, I, was, I remember I was kind of bummed out, actually, because that weekend was a dance, like the homecoming dance. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend at the time went with someone else. And I was like, man, I'm just, and I felt like I'm going to sacrifice my social life to be successful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of became this motivating thing. I was the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And I was like trying to turn this bad bad idea or this bad situation I was in into something good. Anyways, I asked him these questions and Robert thought that they were good questions. And he said, let's actually do this on camera. So we go into his recording studio. They had a big old camera like they have with the news stations Uh and uh, ended up coming up with like an hour and a half worth of content. And they put it on his website. It's somewhere out there. If you find it on his website, tweet it to me. So that was your claim to fame right there. That was my claim to fame, and that was like solidified. You know, I wanted to be... That's where it all started. Yeah, I wanted to be Robert. And uh, it was funny because I got home, I recorded the entire conversation, turned it in for my communications class project, you know, got an A-plus on the assignment, but I didn't have any material information. I didn't think I had anything that I could, like, that was actionable. You weren't ready to go out and just do your own thing at that point. But I didn't even know how these guys did it. Yeah. Right? And that yeah. was my criticism of them the entire time. Like, how, okay, I know what you want to do. How did you do it? Yeah. Right? And that's kind of the... Tell me more. Yeah. And so I had this idea, this destination that I wanted to be in, but I had no idea how to get there. Yeah. And um, I spent like the next three years of my life kind of just wandering around trying to figure out what to do. This was right about the time of the recession in uh-huh. 08. So leading up to this real estate investing was just crazy popular. Oh yeah. I mean, people were flipping homes, making bank. I was in it. I didn't understand economics at that point. I feel like a lot of the real estate guys didn't understand economics. Everyone Had, was dabbling in it. Yeah, everyone. I swear, like my dad was doing stuff too. Like, what do I got to do to, you know, be part of this real estate craze that's going on right yep. now? I feel like everyone at that point was a realtor. And so. then it just dried up. Yeah. It just popped. And uh, I didn't quite understand it, but I I knew that my family was impacted because my dad's a contractor. He runs a a custom hardwood flooring business, and that kind of dried up. And all of a sudden, the forums that I would visit dried up. You know, was talking, huh? Yeah, nobody was talking, and nobody knew what to do. 
And uh, I kind of lost my motivation to be a real estate entrepreneur. Uh, I applied to a bunch of different colleges. I had did, I did pretty good on the SAT and the ACT, so I really kind of had my pick of where I wanted to go to college. Yeah. Ended up going to Brigham Young University right out of, right out of uh, high school. And that's in Utah, right? It's in Provo. Utah, in Provo, Utah, BYU, yep, the Cougars. Um, I went there. Luckily, I decided to go there over Berkeley and UCLA because it was cheap. Yeah. You know, I didn't know I was going to pay. It's like five grand a year at Did BYU. you want to go there? Did you just do it more of because of financially it made more sense? Uh, I, I thought it was a good school. I, I still think it's the best school in Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, if anybody's from Utah, they're going to debate me on that. Yeah, it's that's what one or two heated argument yeah. right there. <laughs> it's one of the best, if not the best school in Utah. Um, and I, I went through and I had all my acceptance letters, you know, University of Pennsylvania, all these places. Cause uh-huh. I did good in school. Um, and I sat down with my grandpa and, you know, I kind of went to him for advice and he just said, you know what, why don't you go here? It's just as good. It's yeah. cheaper. He said, I'll pay for it. There and, you uh, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do it. So I, I go to school. I hated college though. I hated it. My, my degree was entrepreneurship, which was, I can't think of anything that's more of an oxymoron. You know, you go to college <laughs> to <laughs> learn get, to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm gonna get my bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship. <laughs> so after I did one full semester of that, I realized that that was a dumb idea. So I changed my major to computer science. Really? And I thought maybe I can, you know, have this as a back backup plan. Yeah. I quickly realized how difficult that was, and. Uh, Took a couple Java classes, kind of learned the basics of programming and coding and all that. Finished that second semester of college, and then I thought, I'm done with this. I'm going to take a, a break. And I actually decided to go on a church mission. Yeah. We talked about that in the first podcast, but it's common in our church, and there's a lot of uh, the members of our church in this kind of area. Mm-hmm. So I went on a mission. It's a church mission for two years service mission you work with people down in wherever they assign you to yeah. go and you don't get a pick where'd you go i went to dallas texas okay spanish speaking okay so did you know any spanish going into it i took spanish in, in eighth grade and i remembered all the swear words sweet so you're, you know, you were prepared i was ready to go that's all you need to know right <laughs> yeah and uh i didn't really want to go on a mission i'm not extremely like religious yeah like i i you know whatever but a lot of the people you go on mission with or do these church service missions are very, very religious. They're insane, some of them, man. Crazy, yeah. I couldn't stand being around some of those people. My college is a church school. Yeah. And I had been, like, in this church environment. And, you know, I was just kind of a normal normal kid. You know, I'd go to church on Sundays sometimes, and mm-hmm. I thought, this would be a good thing to do. I definitely don't want to go back to school. Was it? Were you doing it more because you just needed a break from school, do you think? Or is it something you actually... Just were like, hey, I'm doing it. No, I did not want to go. This. Okay. I did not want to go. It's kind of the custom in our culture. So I did felt you feel a, like pressure a little bit to do it? Not for my parents. My parents don't go to church. My my family does. Yeah. Um, but I, I had heard of people that had gone on these missions and they had enjoyed it and they said it was very valuable. Yeah. And they said that they learned how to work and that they learned, you know, how to communicate with people and they uh-huh. learned how to and I was a shy, I'm introverted, uh-huh. you know, and I thought, I need to figure this out. And uh, honestly, I went for selfish reasons. I thought, this will make me good at selling. Yeah. You know, I'll be and a good does. business owner. I mean, honestly, it does. Yeah, you knock on people's doors and try to teach them about the church. 
And uh, so I went and did that. I learned Spanish. Um, I met a lot of cool people, but the mentality in um, in that culture is you go to school, you get a job, you get a you work hard in school, you get a good job with good benefits. Yeah. And then that's your career. Yeah. You just stick with it and yeah. Until you retire, basically. Yeah. And uh, I became brainwashed. You know, I got home from Texas and I thought, yeah, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my degree in computer science or something like that. Yeah. And I'll have a good job. That's a field that's not going away. And honestly, I kind of looked at my life and I thought, you know, I hadn't had any traction on becoming an entrepreneur. I knew these ideas were out there, but I still had no idea how to do it. And the idea of going to school is they lay it out for you, right? You take this class, this class, yep. this class, boom, you have this job. And it was like a path that I could follow. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that's all I needed the entire time, right? And I'd taken some programming classes in, in high school and I liked it and I was good at it. Yeah. So I get back into, into well, no, so I get home from my mission from Texas and I'm in Utah and I, ha- I was in the middle of the semester so I couldn't go back to school until you know a few months later. And um, I ended up getting a job at the power company. And I did all the landscaping for the really? power company. Yeah, and I had this, you know, like truck and trailer that I drive around and go to all the property that the power company owned, the city power company. And I would, you know, mow the lawns. And I hung out with a bunch of those guys, and they all had their electrical engineering degrees and, yeah. you know, or were these, you know, tradesmen. And I thought, maybe I'll do electrical engineering. And literally, I was just bouncing my major. Just trying to figure out what you wanted to do. I had do. no idea what I wanted yeah. to do. I had good, decent grades. I could pretty much do whatever I wanted in college. Mm-hmm. Cheap. You know, I was working five grand a year for tuition. You know, my grandpa was going to pay for it. Um, but that, if you remember when I told you about the cousin that had that book? Yeah. That rich dad, poor dad? He, uh, I was pretty close with him. And we'd, you know, wake up at six in the morning and go to the gym or whatever. And uh, he said to me, he's like, you know what, do you still want to do entrepreneurship? And I, you know, I thought, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I want to do this. You know, and he mm-hmm. kind of took the same path. He wanted to be an entrepreneur, but he was in school at the time, I think, for a finance degree. You know, and he wanted to do something in finance. Yeah. But about this time, 2012, he learned about Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. So what is what is cryptocurrency referring to? Like what yes. does that mean? So Bitcoin is a is a decentralized currency that you can send back and forth without borders, you know, no time, no bank. You don't have to mm-hmm. trust anybody. The the cryptocurrency increases in value, so it's deflationary. Um, so my cousin started introducing me into the world of cryptocurrency, and I was just kind of like dabbling in. I didn't understand it. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't quite grasp what the heck it even was. And I knew, okay, well, this is cool. You can make a lot of money trading this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's done decent. But along with, you know, back in the early days of Bitcoin, the only community really that was talking about it were like developers, you know, programmers, mm-hmm. or libertarians kind of anarchist free market guys. Yeah, yeah. And I fit right in with these guys. Like they they weren't the run of the meal, run of the mill normal guys. They weren't the people that I had spent 2 years <laughs> on a mission with that yeah. I couldn't stand. You just felt they're more real. Yeah, it was a cool yeah. group of people and I started associating myself with them and what I did was I learned I I leaned more towards the economic side of of cryptocurrency and what that means is it's libertarianism. Mm-hmm. You know, it's free market stuff. It's the Austrian school of economics. And for some reason, dude, that just like clicked with me. 
and I started reading all of the books I could get my hands on about Austrian economics and free market economics. And it like started to tie into entrepreneurship with me, right? Uh-huh. I started to say, okay, you know, I understand business cycle and I understand economic cycles and I understand financial markets and I understand money and I understand all of these things. And I started to put the pieces together and how Bitcoin fit into that and how cryptocurrency fit into that and gold investing fit into that. And I started going to conventions and listening to economists speak and the the camp of economists that i was following were kind of contrarian guys they didn't love school they didn't love government intervention in markets and it just happened to be that i fit into this crowd and my cousin and i loved it and we listened to podcasts and you know i started realizing that there were austrian investors you know and people had called the housing bubble mm-hmm. you know and they predicted the crash of you know and the market crash yeah. and I, I familiarized myself with them and i got on twitter and i started interacting with them and this was in like the space of six months right yeah so i quit my job at the at the uh power company i started buying bitcoin i started you know diving into this i i leaned way more towards the economic side and the business side mm-hmm. rather than the programming side, the mm-hmm. dev side. Um, my cousin actually became a developer and, and went on that side, but we really had this thing in common. And, and so I get down to, to school again. I change my major to economics. I say, this is awesome. Like I'm gonna learn economics. And I quickly realized that there are many different types of economics and different theories. Yeah. And what I liked and what I learned, they did not teach at school. And they taught the other type of economics, and there are a few different schools of economic thought. But I had read all of these, you know, these uh, books and and um, theories by these free market guys, and they had criticized a lot of what I was learning in school. Really? Yeah. And so I, I didn't fit in. I didn't like it. I hated it. You know, I knew all the criticisms of their economics thought, and you know, I, I just thought in my mind, I'm way better than this. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is dumb. You know, I'm way beyond this. Yeah, I'm better than these guys. You know, they teach, they teach Keynesian economics, and that's terrible. You know, and yeah. so I thought I've read all these books, and it just clicked, man. I read textbooks. I went on vacations with my friends, mm-hmm. you know, and partied and whatever. And I would just take a book with me and read it. And I was kind of a nerd. I have still to this day on my laptop all these books I've downloaded and things. And Do you like to read a lot? Yeah, I would read a ton, man. It just like finally clicked. Like it was something that like finally like. I enjoyed, I would wake up and I thought, man, this is cool. Like economics and cycles and you can invest around these cycles. And I learned, you know, central banks can cause these sort types of things. And you found your passion. Yeah. It's weird that, that, that it was my passion, but it was kind of like, I finally was able to see these, these pathways that I could take to do something. So I originally thought I want to be an economist. I'll go get my degree, but then I'll join a think tank or I'll Mm -hmm. join a, you know, a, Maybe I'll be a professor and I'll teach free market economics or maybe I'll, you know, write books and, and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in college. I have a roommate that I converted to becoming a libertarian. He was a right wing Republican. I converted him to be a libertarian and he loved it. He got into Bitcoin and we would stay up all night trading cryptocurrencies and looking at things. And it was just weird, man. And we have very different lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's and, like the uh, last thing on earth you would catch me doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was weird because um, we, I would sit in, I remember I was in a marketing class actually, and I thought marketing was cool, but I hated it. I'm not creative really. Yeah. 
And um, I was sitting there and I realized that there was this convention called the Young Americans for Liberty or YAL or something. And uh-huh. it was close. And they were having Ron Paul, Dr. Yeah, Ron Paul yeah, speak. Yeah. He's kind of the head of the libertarian world, right? I voted for him. Yeah, he, back he's in, a cool guy. And if you're that? young and you're a millennial, you probably agree with what he says. 2008, I think, is when I voted for him. Yeah, 08, yeah. right? Um, so there was this convention in, no, not Idaho Falls, in Twin Falls, Idaho which was like four hours from my college town. And uh, I, you know, I text my friend. I said, Brady, hey, dude, do you want to go to this? And he's like, yes, I would love to go to that. And I'm not a weird guy. Like, I'm not awkward or anything. But my passions and what I love are very weird and very strange. And luckily, I happened to find a roommate that loved these things, too. And he was a normal dude, you know, looking, looking at him. And he was a kind of a jock, kind of like I am, right? But he loved economics and he loved this. So we signed up. We woke up in the morning. Um, but like four thirty, both popped a couple Adderall, <laughs> you know, college days. Yeah, don't we don't suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrible idea. But if you're a free market anarchist, you're like, I don't care what the government says. Do whatever says. we want. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. And uh, we drove up to Twin Falls, Idaho. We got there a little bit late, but it was at the College of Eastern Idaho or something like that. Yeah. And Ron Paul skyped in. I was bummed when I found out he was skyping in. So he wasn't there physically. No, they, they misled in. us, you know. Okay. Luckily they did because I showed up. But there was another guy that I like has a podcast. His name is Tom Woods. He wrote a bunch of books I had read, and I was like, you know, I was a fanboy, man. I love this guy. And he's just yeah. an economist, like a Harvard guy. Uh-huh. Normal guy you wouldn't really get excited about, but I was. And everybody in this community was stoked about him. And so we sat through this convention, and they had these breakout sessions. And turns out that one of the guys there – uh, that was in our breakout session was wearing a Fidelity Investments T-shirt uh-huh. or a polo shirt, and I, uh, you know, I said, "Hey, do you know, do you work at Fidelity? And you're a you're a libertarian, you know, free market guy." He said, "Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm an advisor at Fidelity." And I said, "Okay, cool." And uh, you know, I got his name, and we kind of became friends throughout the day. We didn't get home that night until like two thirty after we drove home. It was an all day thing. The next day, I added the guy on Facebook, and we became friends because we had some mutual friends at that point. And um, I kind of contemplated it. I was still in college. I had taken all these economics classes, read all these books. I thought I had a decent grasp on like finance and, and the way the, the markets were working. Really kind of taught myself all of it because I flunked out of a lot of my college classes. I messaged him. I put together a resume and I said, hey, his name is Tobin. I said, hey, um, if you think I'm a good candidate for a referral at your brokerage firm, I would love to join. And if you don't think I'm a good candidate, maybe you could give me some advice on how I can become a good candidate. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it was kind of impressive to him that I reached out. And I beefed up my resume, dude. I like made some things sound cooler than yeah, they I've, were. I've done that before, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I had this responsibility, you know. And, like I uh, sort of did. Yeah. So they called me like two days later, and they're like, hey, uh, we've got an entry-level job. You'll have to get your securities licenses. Um, do you want it? And I was still in college at the time, and I was getting close to my to being done with my degree, only because economics is the shortest major mm-hmm. at at college that, really? I, that I was at, and that's kind of what helped me pick it, right? Just you get know? it done with. I thought I could do finance, and that's more of my my passion at this point, but that's going to take me way longer, so I'll just get yeah. this done. So I started working at the brokerage firm. Um, I got my Series 7 license. I got all my securities licenses. They trained me. They taught me. And it just became everything that I thought about. And my cryptocurrency investments had done pretty good. 
pretty, you know, and I had been trading, but I was now stock trading and I was now trading options and derivatives and I would trade debt and I would watch economics. Yeah. And uh, because of my economics background that I had learned through podcasts or reading books, it turns out I was actually a pretty good trader. Right, and I started having some money, and I started having a really uh, large amount of success doing this, and I really just excelled at at the brokerage firm, and uh, all the manager. I put a ton of effort into it. A lot of the people noticed that I would work hard. I would always be the first one there and the last one to go, and it was finally because I found something that combined everything I had been wanting to do, and. Uh, I got a promotion, the quickest promotion in the history of the company, I think. Really? Uh, yeah, to the department that I was at for quite a while. And how old were you at this point? Uh, 22. 22, so yeah. you're pretty young. 22, yeah, 22, 23. Um, working my tail off, finally had this job that I wanted in an advisory department of the brokerage firm. I became the f- number one rep of the entire company. You know, there's thousands of employees there. Um, and I was doing a really, really good job at it. I was studying for my CFA. I was going to finish my degree. I was going to, I was trading cryptocurrencies and I was trading equities and all this. I was making a ton of money. I was single. Had a, you know, I bought a race car. Yeah. You know, I paid my grandpa back for my college. I was making a good amount of money. Uh, and then I met my wife, and that kind of derailed how'd my you, entire plan. How'd you meet your wife? On Twitter. Sweet. Yeah, I jumped in Modern and started day. talking to her on Twitter. And uh, then we followed each other, and we started so liking each other. What made you talk to her on Twitter? Because it was her picture. Just a little background. She already probably had a pretty big following at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, your yeah. wife's pretty popular online. So um, my wife, yeah, my wife is a social media expert. She's been a yeah. vlogger. Yeah. Uh, her entire family vlogs. She is really, really good at social media, had built a business, and I saw her pop up on my feed. It's like a suggested friend type of thing. One of somebody that I followed, one of my friends' little sisters had retweeted her. Gotcha. And I had known about her. You know, it's a small community, Mormon community that we live in, and and I kind of knew about her. But I thought, all right, I'm I'm just gonna jump in here. And I jumped in, and I started. I favorited something, and then she favorited me back. You're like, oh yeah, here we go. I was in, and then I followed her, and then she followed me back. And then I was up late one night trading uh, foreign currencies. Well, it's weird, right? Uh, it was like 3.30 in the morning, and I was up trading, and she tweeted, and I saw my tweet deck, come, something come through that she was on a road trip or something. Mm-hmm. And I favorited it, and everyone in the world was asleep, you know, except for us. And so she messaged me, and she said, why are you awake? I said, oh, I'm working, can't sleep, just trading, you know, whatever, trying to sound cool. and uh, making lots of money and stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm just trading, you know, USD, JPY, <laughs> or whatever, devaluing the yen. Um, so then we just kept talking from that point on and, um, you know, we went in and out of contact for over like the next six months, but, um, eventually we started talking again and my wife is an entrepreneur. Her entire family is full of entrepreneurs and we'll have her on to talk about her story. People probably know who she is anyways, Carly Styles. Um, but it kind of opened up my eyes to this like whole lifestyle that they were living. Like they worked hard, but they got to do whatever they want. And I was working at this brokerage firm where I was making a ton of cash. 
awesome how often like how many hours a week were you working on average there would you say is it like your typical 40 hour week minimum of 40 yeah yeah Uh, but i was putting in a lot of hours because i was number one and i've heard of some people like in the financial world working like 120 hour weeks like just crazy stuff yeah they didn't require that of us because i was still in utah yeah i wasn't on wall street but i was Mm -hmm. tapped in there and and we would work a lot and then i would trade on the side and I would read economics books, and I was dude, I was obsessed with it. So you were always life. working, basically. I was doing something. You know, I was all I I finally found my groove and what I like to do. So I um, just dove into this head first, and then I met my wife, and I was like, oh my gosh, I know how that goes. Yeah, you know, like I didn't know what to do, and um, I I started losing satisfaction at my job because certain you're depending on your view of economics, you're going to invest in a certain way. And you're going to buy certain investments or sell certain investments. Mm-hmm. And you'll build a portfolio a certain way. And while I was working for this firm, it was I built them on their rules. Yeah. And I liked that, but I felt like it was kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I wouldn't build my own portfolio this way. I disagree with it a little bit, yeah. but I have to do it. And so I came in, it was like this moral dilemma in my mind. Not that they build bad portfolios. Just you would do things differently. I view the world a different way, yeah. right? I think there's a certain amount of risk in certain investments. So I I started losing satisfaction and I started focusing more on my wife and getting her to love me. And I persuaded her that I was a good guy, you know, and we spent a bunch of time. Did that together. take a lot of time? Yeah, it took a lot of time, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had to say, no, I'm not that guy anymore. I don't do those things. Um, no, I was actually pretty, always a mellow, mellow yeah, guy. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, yeah. Um, so I had built a, a book of, or, or a network of people, right? And they had started realizing that I was good at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I've got wealthy family members, and I've got wealthy friends, and I've got wealthy you know, connections. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize like, I'm not going to be able to work for this brokerage firm my entire life. And I actually had applied for a promotion, uh, that really would have been kind of solidified me working there. Really? And I had prepared for it. I was a, in the, I was the best candidate by far for the, this position and they did not give me the job. Really? Yeah. I was pissed. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty successful at everything I tried to do, and I didn't get this job. And you it would have been. You had it. What was that? I said you thought you had it too. Everybody did. Yeah. My manager was like, "I guarantee you're going to get the job." Really? Yeah. So you and just I, prepared yourself to get it, basically. Yeah, I was point. number one. I was likable. I had done everything in my power mm-hmm. to have this job. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't pick me. Still, kind of feel bitter about it, but it worked out. I'm glad that they didn't. You know, just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and this was right about the time things were getting serious with my then girlfriend and uh, she lived in Idaho and didn't want to move and she couldn't move and I thought well this is doomed like maybe I can get a remote job so I applied working applied to work for some of these other you know cryptocurrency companies and I just wasn't technical enough to work for them you know they didn't need me yet I was the finance guy wanted to work from home basically for these companies that's what I thought I could do and I didn't know and I thought I've got to either figure something out or break up and I I really had no idea what was going to happen um, but I knew I loved I loved this girl and I wanted to marry her, and I had to relocate and to Idaho. To Idaho, dude, Idaho. <laughs> and Utah makes fun of Idaho. Oh, right? I'm sure. And vice versa. It's I don't know what it's like, Boston in New York. I don't it, know. Yeah, I don't know. It's 
people hate each other yep from the two states yep idaho definitely doesn't like utah yeah make fun of their driving all the time stuff like that and utah is like all oh, those hicks up in idaho they just oh, they like, the do they even have electricity up there type of thing yeah, yeah. i'm sure and uh, i was dreading it and i thought man i'm doomed like this isn't gonna work out maybe we'll just have fun and we'll date and we would see each other all the time and and uh we rented a cabin one time up in island park idaho mm-hmm and my wife invited a bunch of her friends up and you know I went up after work and by this point I wasn't excelling at work you know I just was focusing on my wife yeah and I was focusing on economics and trading cryptos and um anyways I met my wife's friend whose mother was a financial advisor and she had been in the business for a very long time and her daughter was working with them and um you know I kind of thought okay well that's cool they've that's fun, you know. And the guy was like, you know what? You should call them. You should go up to the office and see what what you should do if you guys can join together. And I thought, well, I can't take certain clients. I can't poach them from here. I've got a network of wealthy people that want me to manage their money. But we'll just see how this goes. So I drove up to Idaho, sat down with these two advisors that had been doing this for a long time. I said, here are my skills. And it was hard because it's commission-based. Mm-hmm there's no benefits right and where i was working for this brokerage firm they would do like a seven percent 401k match yeah your wife could have a baby and you don't have to pay anything best health insurance out there they pay for your college they pay for your wife's college you know all these deals and um i thought man I'm, i'm like 23 years old i've got this awesome job i make way more than all of my friends yeah i'm doing i've got you know 100 grand in my 401k saved up. I'm good at investing. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to go work at this other firm. Mm -hmm. And um, I interviewed with them and talked to them and they said, you know what, we want you to come in, not work for us, work with us. Let's partner up. You're valuable. They vetted me a bunch of times. So they they didn't offer you a job. They offered you a partnership with them right off the bat? Yeah. Well, the way it works when you're an independent advisor is, is, you know, I can partner with them. They're not going to give me their clients. Yeah, obviously. So I'm not going to make any money. But basically, you can be a partner, but you're on your own. You got to figure this out and make it happen. You got to build your own book of clients. And I didn't have a book. And you weren't even from Idaho. No, I wasn't even from Idaho. Tough. And uh, I've got a network and stuff. And I thought, man, okay. So I quit my job, moved up to Idaho. My wife and I got a house. We weren't married at the time yet. Got this house. Um, I started working. I quit in June. Mm-hmm. I didn't make a dime. Really? Until the next January. And I was literally trading to survive. And we were trying to plan this wedding. And my wife was successful and she paid our bills, dude. My wife paid our bills. And I told her before we got married, I said, if I move there, I'm not going to make any money and I'm going to have to spend the next year of my life. You're going to be building. my sugar mom for a yeah. while. You're going to have to pay so for you things. went six months without making any money, basically. I didn't make a dime, dude. I spent all my money. Um, I drained my 401k. You really? know, because we were paying for a wedding, you know, and I bought it, had to buy a new car. Um, so I was leasing a car. So mm-hmm. I had to get a new car. And I had to drive all every day. We got this house and we had to start buying things for the house. Like we didn't have any blinds. Oh, and it's so expensive. Everything in a house is just ridiculously yeah. expensive. And uh, we bought some blinds and then we had to buy a fence. Yep. We lived in this community where you had to have these certain things done at certain times. I didn't know that. So I was like sidelined by these things. 
luckily I didn't make a ton of money that year, so I didn't have to pay a lot in taxes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I spent that time like working my tail off, dude. I, I built a clientele and I was actually good at investing. How did you find a clientele? Did you get people from Utah that you knew or how did that work? I networked through family. Okay. Um, My stepdad's family. I networked through business owners that he knew, friends, um, family friends, friends that I had, brought my own portfolio over. And then the company that I joined, they, I helped them revamp kind of their investment strategy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we started doing really well with some of the clients that they had. So we were bringing in money from them and any, the agreement was any new money that I helped to bring in. I got the, you know, I was the advisor on that money. Yeah. And so my income really started to skyrocket the second that I finally found my groove. And this was kind of the culmination of my entrepreneurial days of owning my own business and reading mm-hmm. Robert Kiyosaki and these fast lane books coupled with my trading experience yeah. and my economic background. And the markets just happened to be in this really interesting position. And I had my my finger on the pulse of the markets and I knew what they were doing. And the crypto world was really taking off. So I was making a decent amount of money there. And I had learned how to sell through working at this company, you know, one of these big brokerage firms. And I knew how to pitch investment portfolio management. And I, I became an asset to the two partners. Um, I joined the team completely. I brought all this money in and I just networked and it was a lot of cold calling and I don't love like hard sales, but I just say, hey, here's how I would build a portfolio. Here's my management fee. Do you want Mm -hmm. me to do this? I have all my licenses. Here's my background. You know, here's my resume. Here's who I work with. You know, we have a broker dealer that we're assigned to now and compliance officers and a total of, you know, 40 years of experience and just try to pitch it all. And I revamped our website, learned how to do our website. Um, went to conventions, you know, we would send out weekly letters to our clients, ask them to pass it along. And I really tried everything that I could. I taught classes at the university, um, you know, and, and luckily I, I had built up kind of some value on my end before I brought it over to the firm that I was with. Yeah. And they saw that luckily. And I had these personal skills that I had developed. And so they, they saw me as an asset, not so much as an employee. Yeah. Um, so it started off really slowly and I spent like a big part of 2015 building this business and, and these clients. That's actually where Tyler and I crossed paths. Mm-hmm. He had done some side work for the firm that I work with now that I partnered with. And then he was doing some more freelance work with my wife and her business. And uh, it just kind of like worked the stars aligned. I got a little, there's a lot of luck involved. But oh, that's I feel like it's that way for everyone, though, man. For me as well, it's like just I knew the right people, yeah. right time. I mean, just everything was just luck. But I think it's more than that a lot of time. It's yeah. just doing it, just going for it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think I think the biggest problem that people have, kind of in the entrepreneurial world, whether it's finance, whether it's marketing, whatever it is, is just working hard and just making it happen. It sounds like you were working around the clock, basically. You were doing everything you could to further your education, to invest in different things, to build your value in your firm that you were in. You know, yeah. you you quit this awesome job that most people thought probably thought you were crazy for quitting. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. you knew what you wanted and you went out and got it rather than just waiting for it to come to you. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. Well, and it was... It wasn't because I just had this desire to make a bunch of money. It was because it was my passion. Yeah. And it's a weird passion. I'll be the first person to admit that. You know, I wake up and I think about equity markets. Yeah. And I think about crypto markets and I think about economics and I think about politics and what the central banks are doing. Yeah. 
it took me a while to figure that out. Right? I changed my major from from entrepreneurship, which is probably the dumbest thing I could have ever done, um, to computer science, to electrical engineering, to mathematics, to economics. Right? Until so you found what was right. And I found, I finally found what was right, and it was this weird little libertarian camp, and then I just created this education myself of reading these books. I read Lud, uh, Ludwig von Mises and, and Murray Rothbard and Hayek and uh, all these other economics books. And, and then I went to the Mises Institute of Economics in Auburn, Alabama a bunch mm-hmm. of times. And I flew down there and went to these conferences and conventions. And I listened to webinars and really kind of taught myself, but it's because I loved it. And um, then I used that as kind of a springboard to get into the finance world. Once you get your securities licenses, you know, you've got a job. Yeah. You know, if you can sell and you get these securities licenses, you're, you're good. So honestly, it was just kind of finally combining all those things and it worked out. It yeah. sucked, dude. My bank account was the lowest it's ever been since yeah. I was in high school. By I've the been time there. my first yeah. paycheck came in. But your drive, your passion is what pushed you forward, right? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I mean, most people in that position would just be like, look, I got to find something else. I'm going back to mowing lawns or whatever it is. I need to make some money. I was know? about there, dude. I was about to the point where I was going to say, I'm going to go be an analyst at a bank. At least I know I have a cush job. I'm going to do something. And my wife and I had started a YouTube channel because that's her world. And Mm -hmm. it was taking off, but it was very, very slowly taking off. And her channel was doing well. So we had a cushion, you know, but our lifestyle changed dramatically. And we had to stop doing certain things. And I was used to, dude, I would go out and spend 500, 600 bucks every weekend. Yeah. You know, a single You're a dude. single guy making good money. Bought a fifty thousand dollar race car, you know, you know, and then I'd buy clothes. If I didn't care if I bought a three hundred dollar pair of pants, yeah. And then my whole entire mindset changed. I don't think I bought really that many clothes since I became an entrepreneur. Really? Yeah. I mean, you got to have suits and stuff, but yeah, not like I was. You just weren't out spending like I was, crazy. Yeah, I was buying Brentling watches, Rolex watches when I worked at this brokerage. Firm. You know, I didn't even. I'm need... not quite there yet. <laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> and I sold some of them, you know, to get by. Yeah. So it really kind of helped me. Um, you know, I was kind of that arrogant Wall Street guy, and then um, conver- converted kind of into a business owner and realized what was important. Built a family. We got pregnant right after that. Have our little one that just was born in April of seventeen. Uh, we've done a really good job at building a social media that my wife manages and works at. And yeah. uh, I'm a partner in the firm, valuable there. Have a book of business that can sustain my family and my lifestyle. I'm good at what I do because I continually try um, to learn and, and grow. But I want to continue growing. Absolutely. We have a, a goal to have a billion dollars under management um, within the next few years. For your entire firm? Yep. Are you even relatively close? We're getting there. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not halfway yet, but we're close. Um, but we've partnered, so I don't have my clients and their clients anymore. We all share clients. Okay. Uh, they trust me enough to bring me in and, and you know, uh, kind of showed that I was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually ended up outsourcing some of the asset management to third-party money managers. It cuts down on the amount of trading I have to do. Um, a little more conservative in my trading now. Um, a lot of our clients are retired, yeah. and I can't talk specifics about stocks or whatever. Yeah, for sure. But we are very conservative in our investing. We are a full-service wealth management firm at this point, so we do a lot of high net worth clients and estate planning and, mm-hmm. and uh, that kind of stuff. So we're very conservative with our investing. Um, we certainly have some young clients, but 
we focus mainly on retired individuals. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was raised partially by my grandparents. Yeah. I can just talk to them and I feel comfortable. Yeah, Yeah. I feel very, very comfortable there. Um, So it's it's a continual thing. I want to grow the business. We want to have uh, passive income for each of the advisors of $5 million a year uh, by the time we stop taking on new clients. Yeah. Uh, Not there yet. Right, but we want to be there soon. Um, I trade cryptocurrencies in my free time, which has been really fun the past couple of weeks. I told you this morning I had a bad trade. I lost $9,000 in like two minutes. Um, <laughs> That's painful. <laughs> it was terrible, man, and I was pissed. I didn't make a bad trade. I, I'm still in the trade. Um, last week was one of my best weeks of trading ever. We're gonna get my cousin on here. He, he makes me look like an amateur when Does it comes he? to cryptocurrency trading. Excited to talk to him. I mean, yeah. I'm. I know nothing about this world. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. Very little. But uh, it'll be interesting to kind of hear his yeah. story and where he came from and he's, how he does it. I can understand it and I can explain it, but we will wait until he's on because he is a magician, man. He, I, I go to him with all of my questions. Um, in the crypto world, economics, he's, yeah. he's just a good dude. So That's awesome. So I have yeah. a question just kind of before we wrap things up, though. Yeah. Sounds like you kind of had a journey to where you did not know what you wanted to do. You went to, you know, you're going to major as an entrepreneur, which is kind of a, a weird thing. Yeah. I don't even know why they offer that in college, honestly. It's, I don't, that's I don't odd. Know. Yeah. Um, then you went to, what was it? Computer science. Computer science. You thought about electrical engineering until you finally, you know, got to where you were. So how, what kind of advice would you give to someone who doesn't really, maybe they're in college right now and they're majoring in something that they're not passionate about, or maybe yeah. they don't even know what they're passionate about. Yeah. How do you find that? Cause I mean, for me, I kind of found my passion at a younger age, so I didn't really go through that journey. I mean, I, I still kind of morphed what I did as I went along, but I kind of knew what I wanted to do all, all along where you had no clue until you finally found what got you up in the morning essentially so what kind of advice would you give someone who's wondering what do i do i don't even know yeah that's a very very good question i would just say if you're not passionate about what you're doing right now don't do it yeah for your whole life like yeah of course you need to get by right you need to have some income or, or not starve to death and yeah. if you got a family you've got to support them I mean, if you need to work a job for now until you figure it out then do it bingo yeah i worked at the power company yeah i hated that dude i mowed lawns right I've had every job you can think of. Um, but once you find your passion, then you've got to be able to capitalize on that. Yeah. Right? So your passion was film and marketing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could quit your job and, and sell your company right now and make documentaries, but you know that there's not a ton of money in it and you would it's not a responsible thing to do, right? I have a family to take care yeah. of now. Yeah, exactly. You got a little one on the way. So you've got to find the balance as well between doing what you love and doing what is that what makes sense economically. Yeah. Maybe that's just my economic brain working here. Yeah, but you, there will be a way to combine the two. Absolutely. I mean, you you can look at people that. I mean, I wasn't really big into video games growing up. I was more into sports. I like to be outside, but I had friends that were just loved video games. You know, yeah. I like to play them, but it was yeah. just kind of like I'd play them here and there. It wasn't something that I was super passionate about. Yeah. But I mean, you have people making $20 million playing video games now, yeah. but what if their parents would have told them, you're an idiot, find something more stable, go into computer science or right. whatever it is. They're not passionate about it, but hey, at least I'm going to have a job after college. Yeah. Man, find what you're passionate about. If it is video games, figure out a way to capitalize on that and make some money because there are ways. There's people making millions and millions and millions of dollars, way more than I'm making playing video games. Well, I mean, the people, the, the biggest YouTube stars are gamers. 
Yeah. And they don't want to upload videos, I doubt, every day of them playing games or strategies or whatever they do. But they know that there's a fine line between playing video games all the time and making money. Yeah. They figured out how to make money doing what they love. Yeah. it, It might not be video games. It might be creating like we talked about fidget spinners someone figured that out and it's probably making it killing right now i'll tell you a story real quick yeah one of my college roommates um loves cars Uh uh-huh loves them it talks about them all the time loves building cars loves working on cars loves looking at cars loves going to car meets he started a very very popular instagram page called boosted cars boosted underscore cars go check it out when we were in college started it off with like 200 followers you know Mm -hmm. built it into a business man that pays for it you know, and he doesn't love, I doubt, waking up every day, posting on Instagram, counting his likes, reaching out to people, working with brands and doing things. He loves cars. Yeah. But he's figured out a way to mix the two. I love economics. I love praxeology. I love financial mm-hmm. markets. I joke about my wife. You know, she loves watching these reality shows. I say that the best reality show and all the drama in the world is looking at financial markets. And maybe that's just what I'm addicted to, the drama and the changes and what people's behavior. Constantly changing, yeah. yeah. And it works for me, and I'm able to build a, a business out of, out of it, and I'm able to gain the trust of my clients and, and um, people that I work with. So, yeah, just find what you're passionate about. Realize you have to make a living, right? Yeah. Whether or not you want to be a you know, billionaire or just have a comfortable lifestyle. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer there. It's up to you. Yeah. yeah. Just build what you're comfortable with. Create the life you want roll with it yeah and i I mean there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else if that's no definitely not i mean that's one thing i did want to mention when i was talking to there are people that are meant to work for someone else not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur it's not for everyone it's a tough it's tough there's times where you just want to give up um it's not for everyone but i still think there's stuff that they can learn from here that will help them whether they're working for someone or whether they're working for themselves and you can excel at that yeah and you can be very very valuable yeah and make a ton of money and have an awesome lifestyle. You have flexibility. So it's not all about being an entrepreneur and building your own business. It's just about being successful in whatever you decide to do. But I think you find that when you mix your passion with your work ethic and you realize that there's some opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the biggest piece of advice you can give out is figure out what you love. And if it is video games, figure out a way to make money with it. I mean, there are ways, you know. But don't just settle for something that you don't love because of the chance of it being stable. Because, I mean, no job is really actually stable. It could collapse tomorrow. You know, real estate was huge before. Like you were talking about, it used to be huge. And a lot of people lost a lot of money, lost their jobs because, you know, the market crashed. Yeah. So find what you're passionate about and do that. I mean, that's my biggest thing. Be passionate. Do it. Figure out a way to make money. And I would say don't be afraid to try to jump into the the market, right? Yeah. the only reason I got a job at a big brokerage firm is because I went to a convention and yeah. I reached out to a guy on Facebook, you know, and um, I was willing to change my major and try different things. The reason that I have the position I have now is because I called my wife's friend's sister and mother-in-law, uh-huh. right? And um, and so it's really actionable. I'm, you know, you want to be a business owner, so go, you know, build a business. Well, it's more specific than that. And it really is detailed. And you've got to find your passion. And then you've got to say, okay, how can I turn this into a business? What can I do? Okay, well, I need these certain licenses, or I need this yeah. experience, or I yeah. need to network. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a journey to get there. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. And sometimes you have to work a part-time job outside of that to make it happen. 
network, go everywhere, do everything you can to make it happen. But it, yeah, it takes some time sometimes. Yeah. And the most valuable part for me was kind of building my network. Um, so if you don't have one, build one. Yeah. You know, go, go to meetups, find crowds and, and yeah. communities that you like. Yep. I use the internet. The Bitcoin world is what got me into libertarians and, and um, free market guys. And then I networked from there. And that's how I've got a bunch of clients from there. So absolutely. Anyways, yeah, it's what it is, man. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more about what you do, how you got to where you are. I mean, I have a million questions about kind of your world, what right, you're involved yeah. with, how it can benefit like someone like me. I don't know much about like, you know, investments, finance, that world. I know enough to get by, but not enough to really like make it something where I can be capitalizing on it. So yeah. I'd love to ask you, pick your brain, say yeah. how I can, you know, from my standpoint, from just a normal person, what should I be investing, investing in? What should I be doing? So, yeah, we'll do like topic specific podcast yeah, exactly some of it i can't be super specific with investments obviously yeah um, but just kind of a broad yeah, yeah overview of, of what you do and how it can benefit just the regular person so yeah. look forward to it we Perfect. appreciate your time yeah thanks man give us your feedback yeah, yeah. tweet at us yeah um i'm at jackson wood hq on social media uh, i don't have a pu- public facebook but twitter instagram check them um, out then obviously our podcast here we're going to have on our social media so we'll tweet it out from yep. my end and tyler's end and we'll go from there so we'll have a new uh, episode next week that's Look right forward we to go. it